and of course those that are joining us online. <clears throat> if you will, let's turn to Exodus 14. Thank you, sir. Exodus 14. We're going to the fifth verse. Exodus 14, and we're going to start in the fifth verse. I um, <clears throat> There's a lot to read here. <laughs> so uh, we're going to read all the way to verse 31. I tried to figure out what to cut out, but I couldn't. I was like, we can't skip that, we can't skip that, and we can't skip that. And next thing you know, it's from 5 to 31. You going to make it? And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and the captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a with an high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh's and the horsemen, and sent his army, and overtook them encamping by the sea beside wherever that is, and before where, wherever that is. Um, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us uh, thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that which we should die in the wilderness. And Moses came to the people, Fear ye not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you uh, today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye have seen them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift up thy rod, and stretch forth thy own hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his hosts, and upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen." And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind him, them. And the pillar of cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that they, they one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry and land and the waters were divided. Verse 22, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels and they drave them heavily so that they, so the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thy hand over the sea that the waters may come again unto the Egyptians upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned its strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Verse 28, And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh, 
that came into the sea after them, then there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them to their right and to their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So there's there's a few things that I think definitely need to be dealt with. Um, The first being that here he has, Moses has led them out of bondage. And as he's leading them out of bondage, he is recognized as their deliverer. And yet and still, the first sign of trouble, the first thing they say was, was there not enough graves in Egypt? In other words, We could have been buried there if that's what you did to bring us out here to kill us. So you brought us out here in the middle of nowhere for us to die? When the reality is that, of course, he didn't bring them out to die. But when people come out of Egypt, when people come out of their bondage, when they come out of their struggle, uh, oftentimes they can't handle the transition period of following the plan for their life God has a plan for your life and what people don't understand is when you begin to first realize there's a plan uh, all hell comes against you because what it's trying to do is separate you from the plan because the more you freak out the, the, the more you are attacked the more you become focused on what you used to have and not what's out in front of you. And so here they are struggling with the idea of why did you bring us out here? And God says a really interesting phrase. He says, I'm going to get my honor. In other words, you wouldn't let my people go. And I had to move in such a way to get you to release my people. And you got the nerve to think you're going to come after them after they've been delivered. He said, I'll get my honor. He said, and they'll see when I pour my honor out on them, which is to deliver them, that same honor is a curse to those that attack it. (laughs) See, he was saying that, you know, as I give them preference, as I give them Uh, my grace and my ability as I move in their life it is a blessing to them and is a curse for all who seek to destroy so then the cloud moved to the to the back of them and kept darkness on Egypt or on the Egyptians and it kept light for them I I want you to really understand that there is a twofold uh, moving of God in the fact that everything God does for you when he blesses you is light unto you and it is curse unto the darkness that tries to steal. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? Because sometimes people think, well, you know, I'm blessed and I, I understand I'm blessed and, and they, they, they harbor on the blessing side and never realize that what is blessed cannot be cursed. And that when God pronounces blessing onto you, he pronounces curse on the curse. Which means that Satan cannot have as long as you stay moving. He said, tell them to go where? Forward. They keep worrying about what's... They're focused on... All they can talk about is we were better off if we'd have went back to bondage. Do you know how in love with hurt you have to be? To leave someone who abuses you and go back to it? Do you know know how crazy you got to be? 
to sit there and know that the Lord has delivered you despite your craziness, despite your stubbornness, despite your arrogance, despite your rationale, despite the way you think, despite the way you feel, and he's delivered you, and you, your first thought on your mind is, maybe I should go back because I had it better there? <laughs> he said, you tell them, go Now, as they go forward, they are now in between a rock and a hard place. Because they can't go this way, they can't go that way. They've got the Red Sea in front of them, and they got Pharaoh's army behind them. They got one choice. <laughs> and so God tells him, He says, Raise your staff, your rod which the staff and the rod always represent authority. In other words, why didn't God just split it for him? Could God have split the sea for him? But he told him to do what? Raise your rod. He said, when you stand in your authority, he said, then every obstacle in front of you has to get out of your way. He said, he told him, he said, you stand there and you raise your rod in the natural. That makes no sense. What, what is listen? Unless he going fishing, unless there's some string on the end of this rod, what's the point? But see, that's the rod of his authority. And he said, if you'll stand in your authority, because you're working my plan. I'm the one that got you to this point. I brought you out of this situation. I put you in the midst of my plan. And all I need you to do is to stand in your authority. I don't need your power because your power is useless. Your power can't stand against the enemy. Your power is nothing when it comes to Satan. He said, well, what I need you to do is to stand in your authority. Because when you raise your rod of authority, everything in front of you has got to get out of your way. Every enemy pursuing you is is going to die. He said, I will get my honor. Make no mistake about it. You can come against me if you won't, but I'm going to get my honor because when it's all said and done, I'm going to move in such a way that I'm going to get you out of the situation and I'm going to destroy everything that came against you because I will get my honor. He said, now all you got to tell them to do, go forward. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to the plan of God, though, people don't understand there's a plan for your life. See, when, when, you're, when you're called, the Bible talks about many are called, but few are chosen. And if you have studied anyone's call in the Bible, you will find that they are usually called to a few different things. Either they're called to a place, like a geographical location. They are called to a people or they're called to a specific assignment. And when a person is called, one of the most difficult conversations to have with that person is to help them to see your relationships divinely connected are not interchangeable. <laughs> your, your <laughs> where God has called you to, the, the church God has put you in, the, the leaders God has connected you with, they're not interchangeable. You, you, you can't just go, well, you know, I'm going to do what God told me to do, so, you know, he's going to have his glory in this whole thing, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over here to this person who God didn't call you to, and you expect the same response. And it's like, no, you have to understand that there's a plan. What if Moses had said, you know what, I'm not going to lift my rod. I'm just going to kind of fall to the back here and see if I can find me a spot to get out of here. See, what people don't get is there's a plan. And that plan is so important to our success in all that we do. That's why uh, John 4.34 Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do what? Notice he said what sustains me. 
is to do what he's asked me. <laughs> See, a lot of people don't understand that your sustaining, your provision, your prosperity is not tied as much to your sowing and reaping. Because what people think is, you know, if I tithe, sometimes here's what, what will happen. People will tithe and then they wonder why they're not seeing the fullness of it. In other words, they're like, well, why am I not prospering? I still feel like I'm in the struggle. If you feel that way, listen. It's because you're not following the plan. It's just that it really is that simple. And a lot of people think you can tithe your way out of the plan. <laughs> people think they can give their way out of the plan. It, it never ceases to amaze me how many people are completely disconnected from the flow of their church, the one they're connected to, the leader God put them with, and then are easily willing to disconnect from that and just walk away thinking that somehow it doesn't matter. When it does matter, why would Elijah and Elisha be put together? Why would Paul and Timothy, Paul and Bar? I mean, uh, uh, we could be here all night. In the people that God has put together for an assignment, for a purpose, and for a reason. And when you miss this, you don't understand there's a plan. And he said, what sustains me, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to do what? You mean to, wait, wait, you mean to finish it? Oh my goodness. I have, if I had one gripe that I could snap my fingers and make it disappear, it would be the lack of finishing. I am sorely shocked at how many people can't finish they can start with enthusiasm they can get going with excitement you know people say well pastor how come we don't have you know a men's group and a women's group because when we start all kinds of people show up <laughs> and then as it goes it becomes familiar and people don't have finishing power they don't have staying power he said it the he said what sustains me is to do the plan and to complete the plan. That's my meat. That's what sustains me. That's what keeps me going. That's what drives me, is to finish. See, <clears throat> we have to uh, look, look at Proverbs 3 real quick. Verse 13. Can we put that in the Amplified? Happy, blessed, fortunate, enviable is the man who finds skillful and godly wisdom. And the man who gets understanding, drawing it forth from God's word and life experiences. Keep going. For the gaining of it is better than the gaining of silver. For the profit of it is better than fine gold. Skillful and godly wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can wish for is to be compared to her. Length of days are in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are highways of pleasantness. All her paths are peace. Go back for a second. Right there. Do you See, what people don't understand is there's a wisdom of the world and then there's a wisdom of God. Wisdom of the world is the world's way of doing things. The world's way of doing things always has a certain sneakiness to it. It always has a certain underhandedness uh, to it. And it always has the come up. In other words, doesn't matter if everybody comes up as long as I came up. Doesn't matter who struggles, who suffers, as long as I made it. That's kind of a world's way of thinking. God's way of thinking, God's plan is very different from the world's plan. And what people don't understand is if you follow the world's plan, you're going to get the world's results. But when you follow God's plan, he says, my wisdom, length of days are in her right hand. 
Do you know how many people that I have known personally, can we just do like a real be honest moment, that have died early because they wouldn't follow the plan? And, and, I, and I've watched people who don't understand it. Well, I miss them so much. And I just, God needed them more. You know, I, nothing frustrates me more than when you hear somebody trying to console a person who has lost a loved one say God needed them more. Where Do you have scripture for that? You think God was up there on the streets of gold with gates of pearl and, and, and running everything in heaven and said, oh, you know what we're missing, Jesus? So-and-so's grandmama. I want you to hear me. Because as well-meaning as people try to be, it's the dumbest thing on the planet to tell somebody God needed somebody out of their life more. That's not the case. These things are between that person and God. The reasons being are none of your business. It's very, very simple. And people try to judge that or they speak into that as to what happened to so-and-so and why is this the case and how come this person has passed on and I just don't understand it. None of your business. It really isn't. It's between that person and God. And do we know what happened between that person and God? No. Well, they just seem so spiritual and they were just believing God. How do you know? When they were in the throes of their own mind in the middle of the night when you were not around, how do you know what the conversation was? So then when he says length of days is in her right hand, then guess what? I don't care whose foot you look at in this room, in this world, there is no expiration date on the bottom of it. Which means, which means that length of days can be adjusted based on your ability to follow God's plan. (laughs) And then he says, see, and now that's enough to shout about. Just that alone, right? No. Because who wants to live long and be poor? You're not, you see, you're not, you're not catching this. See, to live long with no provision is an indictment. Don't put me on death row for 30 years. And every single day I got to think about I'm going to (laughs) die. So he says, if you follow his plan, length of days are in this hand. And riches and are in this hand. So that your length of days, so that my retirement account ain't my kids. (laughs) How I make it through life isn't somebody else. As he increases my length of days, he increases my riches and honor. So that my provision stays with me because I'm following. I cannot tell you how many times I've watched people. They'll come. They'll get connected. Life will start turning around blessings and, 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 and they start seeing the riches and the honor and the honor. Honor is not always financially. Honor uh, is just favor. Right? Because God said, if you honor me, I'll honor you. So then all of a sudden things start moving and then here comes usually it's either a job or it's a person that will come along on assignment and completely derail them out of the plan. And then when that happens, Satan knows he can release things because you're no longer. See, people, <laughs> people think that I'm doing all that I can and Satan's allowed to do whatever he wants to do. That's not true. 
This is why Satan petitioned God and said, uh, what about Job? And God said, have you tried my servant Job? In other words, God didn't give him over to Satan. God said, I know you've been watching him. How do we know that? Because Satan said, if you remove the hedge of protection from him, he will curse you to your face. How did he know that he had a hedge of protection around him? See, that's covenant. He knew Job had a covenant. And he said, if you lift that covenant, he said, I can get him. What got Job? Wasn't lifted. God never lifted a covenant. His fear. <laughs> Remember, he said, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. So then the thing that got him was his fear. So Satan found a way to bypass length of days, riches and honor, by getting him to be afraid so that he would not follow The same way these Israelites are sitting here talking about, was there no graves in Egypt? So you brought us all out here to die? What are you talking about? You think I ransomed my whole life to bring you out here to die? We, we going to the other side. He says, riches and honor are in one hand, length of days, what? Or any other. And when you begin to realize that it's tied to your connections. It's tied to things you're divinely uh, connected to. I remember I had a guy call me one time. He's a local uh, minister here in Arizona. Um, if I said who he was, you'd know. Some of you would know if you know anybody, anything about ministry here in Arizona. And he said, um, I saw on Facebook that your spiritual father is running for office. And I said, he is. And he says, so what are you going to do about a spiritual father? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, you know, he's running for office. I'm like, I don't understand your question. What's your point? He says, well, you're going to need a new one, right? I said, what are you talking That's like saying your natural dad is going to apply for a job. So you're going to need a new daddy now. So I'm like, look, dude, and this, I literally told him, I said, look, let me explain something to you. If he goes to the moon, he's still my spiritual father. If he stays on this planet, he is still. I said, until he leaves this planet, until he gets satisfied and leaves, I'm connected. It don't work like that. No, how you don't call nobody and ask them. That, that concept don't even make sense to me. I'm like, you got to be real, you got to be real full of stupid to pull that off. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get you to see is people and man try to orchestrate what God has already ordained. Amen. I want you to understand why I use that language. Orchestrate is where you take things and you blend it together. Right? You orchestrate this part of the choir and this part of the choir and you get your tenors, your altos. You know what I mean? You put them all, you, do, you orchestrate. Ordain means to set in place. It's not an orchestration. God ordains or God sets things. That's why he said I set people in the body as I see fit. In other words, he puts you certain places with certain types of people. You know how they say if you are rubbing the cat and you're rubbing it the wrong way, you have to turn the cat around, you've got to start rubbing the right way. God puts you in places with people who have what you don't have. And if you're not careful, it rubs you. <laughs> but the whole point is to knock those edges off of you to be fit for his use. Some of you hard-headed. I know you don't know that. I know you don't know that. So let me be the first to tell you. You're hard-headed. And it's amazing how God will put you with someone. 
<laughs> because you're hard-headed. And he puts you, not to punish you, but because he desires to use you. Could you imagine if Moses was a weak man? First time they said, we want to go die, you know, or did you bring us out here to die? He'd be like, yeah. That's what it was. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please forgive me. See, it, it, it's, it's the plan goes deeper than many people realize. And they think that when they're standing in the wilderness, they don't understand it's your wilderness, not God's. It's your struggle, not God's. The transition, uh, they, they say that from the nature of how a crow flies in terms of the distance they had to go, they should have gotten there within a week, week and a half at the most. Moving real slow, two weeks. Took them 40 years. Why did it take them so long? You can't go into your promised land acting like an Egyptian. It didn't take them that long to get them physically from one place to another. It took them that long to get Egypt out. <laughs> this is why you have to be careful with the plan because you can't just step right back into the plan. Because sometimes you picked up baggage now that we got to work out of you. That we didn't have to work out of you to stay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Y'all was standing up a minute ago. <laughs> Psalms, 3, uh, Psalms 317. Her, her ways are highways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Now, you know, peace, and we've said this multiple times, but I want to make sure we're clear. Most people interpret peace as not having stress or not having obstacles or opposition. Let me say it that way. All of her paths are peace doesn't mean you won't have obstacles. Peace means a full supply. Peace means shalom. Nothing missing and nothing broken. So will you have trouble? Of course. Will you have struggle at times? Yes, you will. But he says that if you follow his plan, the highways are full of the things you need. Nothing missing. So what happens when you need something? It's supposed to be there. Yes. One of the things when, when we encounter situations, um, when we closed on our house, they were supposed to do an inspection of our home, the homeowner association. And then anything that wasn't done, the previous owner is supposed to do to bring it up to snuff with the HOA. Well, they did so we get this notice that says you got to paint your house and you got 30 days to do it so we're like okay <laughs> how much could this possibly be <laughs> it's just paint <laughs> five thousand dollars later <laughs> and we look at each other and we go thank god we have a supply See, when you're in, when, see, people think that you prosper because you call things and speak things and say things and, and confess things and that you give and, and it shall be given and all these other things that are parts of the profile. It, it, it's in the program. But the main thing is the obedience to what God asks you to do. And when you obey him, when you follow his plan, when you stay in the connections of where you're supposed to be, there's a supply there. Amen. I had no idea that was coming up. 
He did. I cannot tell you how many times when you're in the plan, things that seem to just pop up, if you don't get afraid of it, there's an answer for it. Because he promised me that nothing is missing and nothing is broken. So if it breaks, he's going to fix it. If it's missing, he's going to supply it. So then when you live in the plan, you see these things begin to work in your life. And this is why I'm telling you, there are so many people, they are missing these pieces because they won't get in the plan. And they're wondering, well, I I tithe. That ain't it. Tithing is not the ceiling, it's the floor. That just makes you qualified to start. (laughs) Verse 18. Trying to get y'all something to shout about. If you was hearing it correctly, you'd be shouting. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. You know what will steal your joy? Being out of the plan. Not retaining God's wisdom. Nothing will steal your joy faster. You ever like people want to know the meaning of life? God, what am I here for? What's my purpose? For what reason? If he told you, he ain't going to do it anyway. (laughs) I just knew what I was here for. You want to know what you're here for? It's pretty simple. You know the thing you hate the most? Because every one of you has a different thing that you just absolutely hate the most. It, it, one of the things, boy, it just, it's like somebody done tiptoed over your grave every time. The thing that Satan attacks you in the most. <laughs> That's it. I didn't think I had to finish that, but I began to realize I might have to. Verse 19, the Lord by skillful and godly wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding, he has established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies distilled the dew. My son, let them not escape from your sight, but keep sound and godly and discretion and they will be life to your inner self and a gracious ornament to your neck. In other words, it will take care of you on the inside and it will take care of you on the outside. Look at Romans um, 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect what? Now, do you understand that there is a good, there is an acceptable, and there is a perfect will of God? Now, the, the reason why this becomes important is because a lot of times people think there's either one side or the other. In other words, I'm not defiant to the will of God in their minds. But they aren't capitulating to the will of God either. And then they wonder why they live in the middle. And this is why he said, there's a good. God loves you. There's an acceptable. But there's also a perfect will. And only with the perfect will comes perfect provision. And if you want perfect provision, you have got to have and desire and to seek his perfect will. Otherwise, this is why I said, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man 
measure of faith. In other words, you have to know where you are because you can get real drunk on yourself. Or in other, wise, other words, you can get high off your own supply. And now you're not sober anymore because you're believing your own press. <laughs> this is why God puts people in your life. I'm often amazed at how many people say things like, oh, there's nothing like doing the perfect will of God. And they're not. They're struggling. I just, I just love being a person. Like, you're not. And if you weren't feeble-minded, you know that. <laughs> if you weren't believing your own press, you would know that. You would know it not by what you think to yourself, but what your life is actually producing or not producing. It's like when people say, oh, I know that. It's like, but does your life reflect it? Because if it doesn't reflect it, then you don't know it. You heard it before. And so he says, as every man has been dealt the measure of faith, you have to be sober about you. Because what you can and cannot do is only done by the grace given. And by the grace given can only be determined by his plan. He doesn't give grace for things that's not his plan. Why would God get involved in stuff that doesn't concern him? So then when things don't seem to be clicking, you have to ask yourself, because there there's always resistance, so I don't want to dismiss that. But you really have to ask yourself, are you in his plan? Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't checked in, <laughs> why did he tell Moses to raise his staff? Why didn't he tell all them to raise theirs? Moses had the authority. And this is what people don't understand. If God gave you somebody in your life that has a higher level of authority, can see further for you? Because here's what they'll do. They get angry with the one who's responsible for them and they'll listen to other voices that ain't their shepherd, that ain't responsible for them. <laughs> Try to find and seek their word. And they didn't get their word. They got a word. <laughs> Never mind. Let's go. Let's go back to this, because I don't know. I don't know why y'all looking at me in that tone of voice. So, the point is, to veer from the plan of God is to veer from the provision of God. To sway from the plan of God is to step out of His provision. And it, it's, to me, it's just common sense. But I've learned that common sense is not very common. <laughs> As I wish it was, but it isn't. Look, look at what Paul said, 2 Timothy 4, 7. Second Timothy 4, 7. He said, I fought the good fight. What's a good fight? The one you win. What's a bad fight? He said, I fought the good fight. He said, I've done what? And he explains to you what the fight was to keep the faith. <laughs> you know what keeping the faith means? To believe God. When, when, when you're out in the middle of the wilderness, you ain't trying to go back to bondage. You kept the faith. The same faith that got you to leave the wilderness is the same faith that's going to sustain you through Amen. the wilderness. That's right. And a lot of times people think, well, I need more. No, you don't. The same faith that got Peter stepped out of the boat would have been the same faith that would have kept him walking on that's right. had he not looked at the... Are you catching this yet? And so he told them, he said, just go forward. Quit looking at the nonsense. Quit looking at the things that come from this side and that side. It doesn't matter. I don't care if Pharaoh's army's chasing you or not. He said, I'm going to get my honor. And what you have to understand is what I'm going to use to bless you is going to curse them. Amen. That's why I'm able to set a table before you. 
in the presence of your enemies. He said, because whatever I do to bless you, it's going to hurt to your enemies. Because they're not feeling it. But he said, I fought the fight, and I finished my race. And notice what he says, I kept the faith. To finish your race is to keep on the path. Look at, look at Ephesians, what was it, 5? Ephesians 5, Ephesians 2. Can we put this in the Amplified Classic, 2.10? Ephesians 2.10. That's a good one, too, though. Everybody got to walk in love. Not 5.10, 2.10. I feel like we need some Jeopardy music. <laughs> Boom, there it is. For we are, what? His recreated in, born anew, that we may do those which God, in case you know what predestined means, for us, which He so that we should living, 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 which he and made ready. You know what make ready means? It means to have it all prepared. If I tell you to go to my house and make ready for dinner, that means prepare it and get it ready so that when we get there, we can sit down and eat. If I tell you to go get the boat and make ready, that means that you go through a walkthrough and you check the boat out, make sure it's ready to go, get it in the water, that all we got to do when we get there is jump in it and take off. Amen. Make ready. He's prearranged it, and he made ready a life for us to live. Keep going. Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles, heathens in the flesh, called uncircumcision by those who call themselves circumcision itself a mere mark in the flesh made by human hands in other words pay attention to the fact that you are not someone who's not in covenant with God that's why he has a plan prepared for you and that plan go back he took paths taking paths would you call a path a plan? Yes. Good, me too. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. So then, majority of my life is not spent trying to, how do I say this? Figure out God. My life is spent trying to discern his plan. Because as I grow in the knowledge of him, I grow in knowledge of his plan for my life. And he's able to reveal more and more things to me so that what we have is the ability to be his workmanship. See, the value of, uh, for example, to produce a Chevy is 23 to 25 man hours. That's what it takes to produce a, a Chevrolet on average. To produce a Rolls Royce it is over seven to 900 man hours to produce one car. People say things like, well, you know, isn't that excessive to buy this? I don't know. Who's making more contribution, me or you? Right. <laughs> Do you know how many mouths could be feed? Yes, 900. <laughs> how many mouths got fed with yours? No, I... I <laughs> So then the value of the vehicle is based on the workmanship that created it. So then if I was created and I am his workmanship, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in and in case you didn't understand what that meant, born anew. That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared 
ahead of time. He knew. You didn't. But he knew. See, this is why when they're standing at the Red Sea, look, look at Psalms uh, 77. Now, let's go, let's go to Exodus 23. We got a few minutes. Exodus 23, verse 25. Ye shall serve the Lord your God. Right? And when you serve him, what's the outcome of that? I know that we say sometimes, Christian rhetoric, Christianese, that God is the God who takes sickness out of the midst of thee, which he said he would do. But oftentimes people never look at the precursor to that, which is he said, if you shall serve me, then I will bless thy and thy and if you do what? This is why people don't understand when, I'm, when I harp on certain things like giving, serving, and attending. They think I want something from them. I don't need anything from you. I'm trying to get you in the game. <laughs> because when you're in the game, you get benefits. There are 30,000 people in a stadium. But there's only about 20 or 30 of them that's going to go get in a Bentley and drive off in it. And those are the ones that are. See, people see it naturally, but they don't think it's the same spiritually. What is there a provision needed for if you're not in the game? That's a waste of his provision. Have you ever noticed that when God provides for people that are in his, even biblical accounts of his provision, it's always over, but it's more than enough. He doesn't mind bringing more than enough for people who are in the plan. But what's the, it's wasteful. It's not wasteful for God to give you more than enough when you're in the midst of his plan. It is wasteful to give you more than enough when you will not do the plan. That's a waste. And when people connect the dots and begin to realize, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm rooted, I'm connected, I understand, I, 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 I got to be in the game. Because when I'm in the game, the provision is different. When I'm in the game, life is just different when I'm in the game. When, when I'm in, I'm involved, I'm connected, I'm hooked up. I understand my supply, I discern there's a plan, and I want to be a part of that plan. Because you're not guaranteed the plan. There, there's, there is things you're going to have to do. David played the harp and the evil spirits left Saul. Can you imagine being so anointed that you could play an instrument and demons leave? But what people don't understand is David had natural skill. They think somehow David just picked up a harp and whatever and started playing it. No, David had some natural skill. Then God put his... Do you think when he was back there learning how to do that and playing that he thought in his head one day, I'm going to play and demons are going to run? We should wake up, y'all. There are things God has put in you. He put them there for a reason. It's to bring it out of you, not to go work for IBM and give them the best of all you have and then come give the rest to God. There are gifts that he's given you. How many times have you watched a singer leave the gospel for the world? A talent God gave them. A talent God blessed them with. And you know it's a gift from God. Yet and still they're using it for the world. Because <laughs> they're afraid the plan won't. Look at Psalms 119. One oh five. 119, 105. I know that's right. (laughs) 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my... You, you mean to tell me that God's word is supposed to reveal light unto the plan of God for you? Yes, sir. That it, it, it actually... What would you need a light for? So you don't... <laughs> I mean, that's just straightforward, ain't it? That's pretty simple, isn't it? Tell me why people struggle with it. Because they won't do the work. And then they wonder why. See, God gave us the word to keep us safe. People think God gave us the word so that we would not have fun. They think God's a fun snatcher. God is not a fun snatcher. God said, let me give you a way to keep you from tripping. And if you would just do the word, because the word works. Why do you think he tells us, hey, look, here's, I don't want you to mess around before you get married because, you know, soul ties happen and then you start doing stupid stuff and you don't know why and you think it's me when it ain't me because I ain't said nothing about this. But you think it's me because you got a soul tie because you did things you shouldn't have done with people you shouldn't have done it with. And the worst part is it's not just that person. Because I've heard people say, oh, pastor, I, I, I trust her. Yeah, but do you know who she been with? Because now you're sleeping with all them too. And all the junk that comes from them is coming to her, it's coming to you. And then you wonder why you can't see straight. And so he says, listen, I don't want you to do that. Dating is not for experimentation or test drive. Dating is for data. Why would he say that? So that you don't get hoodwinked, bamboozled, skamooked. That's why he says these things. He tells us how to discern. He says, try the spirits. Try, you know, you know trial means test them. Do you have any idea what that means? It means don't you, not everything is God. Not everything that's said to you, not every voice that speaks to you. <laughs> All right, you're ready. Let's go to Psalms. You might not be ready, but I am. Let's go to Psalms. Um, where did I tell you to go before? 77. Put in the NIV. Psalm 77, 19 in the NIV, please. I really like the way the NIV puts this. He says... Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen. In other words, when Moses came to the Red Sea, he thought it was over. The children of Israel said, this is over. You brought us out here to die. And what it's saying is that God's path led through the Red Sea. What was an obstacle for you is a pathway for God. Because what they could not see is under the water were God's footsteps. See, when, when you are used to being, when you first come into the things of God, God will lead you a little more handheld. And then you come up to a Red Sea. And he's sitting there like, you see it? Oh, yeah, I see it. What you going to do about it? I don't know. He's just waiting. We going to go? Well, I, I don't see your footsteps. Yeah, but you saw him all the way up to here. You saw my hand all the way up to here. I carried you right to here. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't see anymore. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm confused now. Uh, okay, that's fine, but what are we going to do? Because Pharaoh's back there. And I didn't lead you into this corner to die. 
I didn't bring you to where you are to die. See, some of you are starting to now connect some dots because you've been through some stuff that got you to this place. And, and you're starting to not see it anymore. And instead of relying back to the faith you once had, you are trying to find a different answer to the same question. And he says, listen, all I need you to do, come on, let's go. You stop the, why are you, why you stop there? No, come on. Let go. Why are you not moving? Because I don't see your footprints. My footprints are below the situation. If you'd stop looking at the situation, you then walk by faith and not by sight. I don't have to show it to you for it to be real. You don't have to see it to know that I'm there. There's a place where if you're convinced on the inside, then when you stand by the water, you're going to stand in your authority and know that as soon as I step out, God is going to have to do something because he didn't bring me all the way here. I have fought too hard. I have prayed too hard. I have struggled too much. I have done too many things. I have had to go through too much of an attack to come to this place to sit here and look at some puddle and be like, what we going to do, God? When you have brought me through sickness, you have brought me through disease, you have brought me out of poverty, you have brought me out of lack, and now I'm going to sit here with whatever this giant is and figure out how I'm going to go forward. I know how I'm going to go forward. I'm going to stand in my authority that he's already given me. And when I take a step, into this water, the water is going to split. Why? Because I know that the very thing that he blesses me with is the very thing that's going to curse what's trying to curse me. And I can't get through it looking at it. I've got to say, this is what God's called me to be. I know he's with me and he'll go before me with a path that even I didn't see. The footprints were not seen, but that don't mean he didn't already do it. I might not discern what it is, but when I step by faith, he's already been through. I can't see it with the natural eye, but it doesn't matter because he's already done it. He said he led through the sea. Your way, your path through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not even seen. Nobody knew. They had to go by faith. This is why the Bible says in Hebrews, the Egyptians assayed to do it. <laughs> in other words, to raise your rod and to stand in your authority, please catch this is a sign you're operating in faith. That's why the water splits for you. They assumed when they saw it happen for them that God was going to keep that open and they tried to go where God had not called them to be. And he said, I'm going to get my honor on them. Because if you're arrogant enough to think that you can step into a God miracle and you don't serve God, don't worship God, you're attacking God's people, I'll get my honor. And I'm going to deliver my people all at the same time. So here they are walking through. Can you imagine walls of water with fish swimming by? Like you in an aquarium with no glass? And literally, God's like, I'm holding this back until y'all get over. Once y'all get to the other side, I'm going to slow these wheels down until they fall off of these chariots. So they're going to slow down all up in here. And then when you get across safely, turn around and stand in your authority again and tell that water to kill what's been dogging your tracks. <laughs> the very same provision. He said it was a darkness to them and it was light unto you. See, when you follow the things that God has for you, enemies are going to pop up. But rest assured, they will be destroyed. All I have to do is stay with the plan. Every highway, every highway has off-ramps and on-ramps. Every highway. You want to know why? Because you have to be able to get in the plan. And then you got to be careful not to get out of the plan. But if you happen to step out of the plan... 
you go back to the on-ramp. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed it at times. But we have to be real mindful of how not to let that ever happen. We've got to be real mindful of people who will try to pull us out of the plan. We've got to be real mindful of stuff that will try to pull us out of the plan. Things, jobs, people, uh, uh, possessions. You've got to be real wise about that. Because Satan would love nothing more than to get you distracted. And the moment you get distracted, you will step out of the plan. Oh, look, an exit. Let me take this one. And it doesn't make any sense. If you take the wrong exit, you know you're not going to arrive at your destination. So what are you going to do? You've got to get back on. Put it under the blood. Say, Lord, I missed it. I ain't missing it again. I'm hip to this program. And I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to finish my course. He said, my meat is to do the will and to finish, to complete. How many of you understand that your success is tied to completing the plan? It just is. And I don't care what the plan is, what God has called you to do. If you do that, some people think, well, you know, I got to be the pastor and I got to preach. No, you know what? If you died, if you died in the midst of doing what God asked you to do, on the way to getting what God told you you could have. Do you understand you'll still have it? If he came back today, that's why I said, well, I find. If he came back and said, look, it's time, we, you know, this thing is rap. You're going to get it on credit. You can't be held accountable for what you did not do if you are preparing to do it in his timing. This is why this is trust. They didn't trust me. As soon as they got out into some uh, conflict, they're like, you, you brought us out here to die? This is all about trusting God. And most people are afraid to trust him because he really does hold your future in his hand if you'll trust him. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you. There's so much more, but we're, we're never out of word. We're out of time. So, Lord, I thank you that you'll continue to give us light on these things, that you'll continue to speak to us uh, and give us revelation concerning the plan you have for our lives and the things that you called us to do. And by your word, we have the ability to discern and to understand uh, what it is you have foreordained as the very foundation of the world, things you have predestinated us to do and to be uh, in your word. We have it as a guide. We have it as instruction. And so we thank you that as we continue to move the plan forward, that we are in the midst of your perfect will. We will not veer from the path. We will not step out of provision, for we know that the provision is for the plan. Your word tells us that you will make, if we uh, submit our plans unto you, you'll make those roads straight. So we thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen.